let's boot it up. All right, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Reboot Review. As always, I'm Matt. I'm Drew. And this is our review show that we're doing in between seasons of the Back Again podcast. Uh, We're in the month of October right now, and we're doing some classic Halloween slash horror movies that they decided to reboot. And uh, we're picking like four of those. And today we are doing uh, the reboot to the 1976 Carrie, and we are doing the 2013 Carrie. Carrie 2013 is directed by Kimberly Pierce. It's starring Chloe Grace Moretz, Julianne Moore, Portia Doubleday, Gabriella Wilde, and Anzel Edgort. This has a budget of $30 million and has a box office of $85 million. Carrie is about a high school outcast with an abusive home life centered around her religiously zealous mother. After going through puberty and being tormented by her classmates, Carrie discovers an unknown power within herself that leads to deadly ramifications. So before we kind of get into this, the only thing I'll bring up that's probably the most interesting between the 1976 carry and the 2013 carry is uh, 1976 actually has a budget of $1.8 million, and they have a box office return of $33.8 million. So it was a pretty big smash for its time. I still consider it a cult classic. Uh, but they have a way bigger budget for this 2013 uh, version, and you can really kind of tell with that because they put a lot of effort into making, you know, the spooky uh, telecom kinesis uh stuff uh they they just you know they put more into those effects with this kind of budget this time around sure i don't know what the origin of the story was if it was a big like studio movie that was just like on the smaller budget end or if it was actually more of an independent movie well you know it's horror around this time so they're gonna have pretty i mean that's probably still a big budget for that time maybe but that's a really big return from oh yeah it's a huge return i was thinking of how big it was on the production scale for that time i I don't know how to adjust for inflation well i guess i will kind of transition and start by saying that i think this is the most loyal reboot in a sense it's the most truest reboot in a sense i I guess that's the thing we should probably address first is this is the only reboot on the list that's uh done based off of source material so it's based off a book and the screenwriter from the first carry in 1976 he actually gets credit for the second one and it's probably because they really just take lines of dialogue like multiple lines of dialogue from the 1976 version and they just apply it in a different way in the 2013 version but you could actually probably play you know those sound bites like next to each other and they would line up perfectly well yeah they're probably lines taken straight from the book well it was interesting though because even with the other two reboots we've watched they maybe have borrowed stuff from the original but they haven't directly like copied it exactly yeah it's always like homages in the other ones and in this one it's much more just copy paste but i thought it was interesting because they would take those same lines and they would apply it kind of in a new light or in a new meaning can you give like an example well i think some obvious scenes are when uh the teacher is talking to the two hot students that are going to take carrie to prom and there's just certain lines of dialogues like don't you think it's going to look ridiculous if you guys are together you know like any kind of line like that even with like like, you know, from Carrie and her mother, all the lines of dialogue that they share, they find a new way to work it in. Um, I think that most of the time it works pretty good. Uh, there's obviously other times where it's just like, you're just borrowing that line. Yeah, there are some like subtle tone shifts that like cast it into new light. And then there's some that are just straight ripoffs or lifts. 
at least. Well, it was interesting just seeing that execution with this reboot. It almost felt like, especially with this writer-director, that they wanted to stay true to the source material, but they just wanted to switch it just a little bit. They wanted to they wanted to tell it from just a slightly new perspective. So they still hit all those beats, but they do it from, you know, you know, we open the movie differently in this 2013 version on the birth of, you know, Julianne Moore having uh, Carrie <laughs> as a baby, where really that's just something that she references in the third act of the 1976 version. So we're, we're doing a new way of telling the story probably that's more updated with a modern audience, uh, but then they're also borrowing lines of dialogue. So I don't know, I just thought, I thought it was interesting the way they did it, and I thought for the most part it worked. You could tell that they were like picking and choosing what they could do and what they felt like they should do. And it was really, because like you said, this is the one that's most identical as far as the reboots we've done go. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting looking at it as that, as almost not a shot-for-shot -shot remake, but a more uh, forcefully loyal remake. Because it has to be because it's based off the book. You know, everything's tied back to the book in this case. And seeing the, when it's kind of under that lens, seeing the decisions they decided to make when adding, usually when adding new stuff, I wouldn't really say they changed too much. They usually just tried to build on it, at least when it came to the original movie. It felt like there was a lot of building on, not a lot of switching up. One big thing I noticed was the way that the powers are portrayed in the two different movies, especially in Carrie's reaction to them and in kind of how they're portrayed to the audience. In the original, she's very like disturbed by them to the point where I thought thought that she was, and I was not familiar with the source story, so I assumed that they were going to make some kind of connection between the powers and her thinking that it's like the demon trying to work through her or something. Mm. They, they really played it up like it was a negative force on her life and reactionary probably exactly reactionary and that it was like almost compelling her to do these things they were p playing it up as the villain whereas in the remake she is oh one last thing i want to say about the original and how they play it up as the villain every time she does her power they literally play the sting from psycho <laughs> So if if that if if there's no other way to convince you that they're trying to make these powers like the bad guy, that's it. They're playing the psycho sting every time that like they show up on screen. In the remake, they're played, you know, they're not lighter, but they're played up much more as like like a saving force, as something that she reacts positively to and is proactive about. She does, I mean, I, I think it's just a, more for flavor than anything else, but she spends a little bit more time researching in the remake. She's also like, when she's developing the powers, if you want to call them that, there's also just much more of like an expression of like wonder on her face and like more like, you know, surprise. It's not like shock or fear like it is in uh, the original, like when she breaks the glass and she's like forced to put it back together so her mom doesn't notice in the original. And this one, she breaks the glass and she leaves it for everyone to see. So I feel like that's a really good comparison as well. Interesting enough, I actually disagree with that. So in regards to Carrie in 1976 and how she kind of discovers her power, I don't think she's reactionary. I think as a character, she's just terrified. So we get to see a lot of uh, instances where we see how like scared she is of everything. But her reaction to her power is, I think, the one thing that she's not scared of. It's like the one thing that she, it's the one thing that I feel that she understands. And I think they do a slow reveal of that and how confident she is uh, with keeping the secret versus how unconfident she is like against her mother or against her classmates or just even understanding other elements that are happening to her. I, I agree that it's like there, but in the first one, it's much more of a switch. It's much more of, because you, you, I can't ignore those like fearful reactions she has the first few times 
And then it's like almost a switch where she finally like kind of sees the confidence in it or sees like the potential in it. In the remake, it's a lot more smooth. It's a lot more gradual. But that reaction in 1976, the fear is not coming from her not knowing what is happening with the power. The fear is that it is popping out due to anxiety. The fact that it is becoming uncontrollable to her. I feel like she always knew that she had this power, but because of the way that she's raised and because of the manipulation she has, it's all about hiding even more because her mother would think it's like the devil or something but she's done research on this and i think it's just a pivotal moment when we meet her in the beginning a scene where uh, all the girls are tormenting her in the shower to where it's just it's popping out when she's just at super high anxiety moments um and i just think this this story in 1976 is a build up to about it's like a character study but then it's also a build up to like then the worst possible situation like after you know this character and all the trauma she has to deal with then when you put her in the worst possible situation you can almost guess what's what's going to happen which is uh carry murder I like I like that uh, that power. I, li- I like her having the uh, her pyrokinesis in 2013 because mm-hmm. she literally burns the the lock shut or fuses it shut. Yeah. She I don't know if she had that power in the original Carrie. I thought she just had telekinesis. Well, let's actually go into talking about Carrie a little bit, and that's where we can sprinkle in some of this power stuff. So let's compare Carrie from 1976 to 2013. Um, right off the bat, I will say that both performances are good. I, I do think that Carrie from 1976 fits the part a little bit more because she looks like an outcast. She looks almost like... I just think she's cast well and she's portraying it well. Whereas in 2013, I, I just feel that Carrie looks a little better. I think her performance is good. I think she is doing something similar to the performance in 1976 in regards to being like restricted within her own body and not making a lot of eye contact. I just thought that I felt more uncomfortable and awkward with the 1976 version whereas in 2013 chloe grace moretz you know she is she looks good <laughs> like even when she's playing like this outcast high schooler i could still see like boys in her high school being like hey that's a cute girl if we just fix the religious side to her yeah. you know what i mean whereas in, in 1976 there's the scene where the the gym teacher like moves her hair away and she kind of shows her beautiful face for the first time and i thought that scene actually worked because for most of the movie she is hiding her face and she's being very standoffish and this is the first time where we're actually seeing her full face so that's a scene that works in the movie but also works as a character moment and it also visually gets across the point that it's trying to make in the 2013 version where she's like you know you could put a little lipstick on and and put your hair back i'm like she already kind of looks okay she really doesn't need makeup Like, you move her hair back and she just still looks like Chloe Grace Moretz. They both play the part really well, but Sissy Spacek definitely looks the part better. So outside of performances, I guess the next thing would be the Carrie power. So how do you feel about Carrie power just in regards to 1976 to 2013 outside of what we've already said? It's it's a very weird thing to say, but I really like the kind of Star Wars prequel arc they did or the Anakin arc they did with Carrie to an extent where she's promised power or given the promise of power and she is tempted by it because it gives the promise of stopping pain. But uh, in this one, uh, Carrie's mom uh, does a lot of self-harm. And uh, Carrie, well, there's a scene in uh, the 2013 version where Carrie uses her telekinesis to stop that. And that connected with me because I'm very familiar with the Anakin arc, as, you know, as we'll call it. And, you know, that resonates. This is something that's potentially dangerous, but I can use it to help people. I, I, I'm physically stopping harm. So how can it be bad? 
you know, how if I lean into it, you know, how can it really be that bad? And then, you know, we see the logical conclusion of that where she kills everyone. And you're talking about the 2013. I'm talking yeah. about 2013, okay. yeah. In 20 or in 1976, it's a lot of physical abuse where she's just hitting Carrie and dragging her around the house and everything. And then, you know, mental abuse. There's none of that self-inflicting harm, which I think really helps the character kind of along her path to accepting her powers a little bit more so than I think Carrie in 1976 did. Well, let me let me put it this way. So in 1976, when Carrie is doing her murder thing, uh, she is using very like vanilla type objects to kill everyone. She's using like a hose. And so she's just locking the doors and then she's starting a fire and she's having the lights come down. All that kind of stuff felt true to the character because she is just reacting of what she's seeing and she's just using the powers to how she knows. Whereas in 2013, she's being very intricate in the way that she's killing these kids yeah. to where you would almost maybe ask, like, how disturbed was this girl before this event. Well, that goes back to what I was saying about the powers being the villain. In the climax of 76, they're controlling her and she's essentially not in... She, yeah, I don't agree with that. I think she's in control in 76 and in 2013, I think she's more out of control because yeah. she's killing them in ways that is not how she's acted the whole rest in of the 76, movie. In 76, she saves the coach who backed her. In 2000, or she kills the coach who backed her. In 13, she saves her consciously that's a really interesting point because then it's like how do you how do you take your tea because it's like are you just going to take a carry who's just reacting and kills everybody so it's fair but she's killing them in a practical way or do you do a 2013 thing where you're killing these students in very intricate gruesome like entertaining ways but then she's going to save the teacher i like that because it's very conscious well it's also doing the thing in 2013 where it's going to show you so many examples of carry doing stuff like to build up to then a huge grand finale. I know, but it was actually building. It wasn't just showing examples to keep our attention because it's afraid that we're going to get bored. It was developing our character while it was doing that. Well, it's both of those, I think. I think it's not only showing you stuff to keep you entertained every like couple 15 to 10 minutes, but then it also, like you said, it builds on it well to the grand finale. But it really just comes down to that. I think one of the reasons why they reboot this um, is really just to do a more gruesome final act at the prom. <laughs> they really just like we have- I'm the, fine with that. Uh, yeah, so- if the movie was just that, if it was just kind of like, you know, dog shit up until this grand finale where it's crazy kills, it probably would have been a worst experience. Uh, the rest of the movie, though, like we said, it is directed well and it is building on something. Um, but just between 1976 and 2013, the biggest difference is really just going to be the budget <laughs> and just like, you know, how much Carrie is Carrie. Like, you know, she's flying in 2013. Well, there's also, there's other gore effects that aren't around her. Like, I really like the guys getting his face crushed against the steering wheel or the that was a really good effect actually those were, yeah those all looked really good yeah. well if we don't have anything to talk more about kind of like the gore and the gruesome of it i guess we can kind of talk about now like the ending ending and, and the ending that i kind of wanted to bring up between 1976 and 2013 is they do the thing in 1976 where the classmate that tried to orchestrate the whole her boyfriend going with carrie to the prom after all her classmates are dead you know she's really traumatized and she's bringing flowers to carrie's grave and when she puts the flowers down a hand pops up and it grabs are you going to the very end yeah yeah that's what i'm talking about so the hand comes up and it grabs her and then we we cut to that this was a dream so she wakes up in her bed and she's freaking out and i like this ending a lot because we show that this kind of this thing that they did to this is what's going to live on forever and this is what's going to torment you know other kind of students so i personally just kind of like that whereas in 2013 she goes to the grave 
she drops the flowers and then as she's walking away i guess like the the, the grave cracks and yeah. then there's like a, an ominous scream well, that takes place and it's like all right the that original ending's very down like that's not what a studio like sony's gonna like shoot for their ending they're gonna like lighten it up a bit that's the whole reason why that character's pregnant so that when oh my gosh i totally forgot about so that, that, so, oh, that when, so that when she forgives carrie she can carry on that influence to her child and it's not the curse of carrie white oh. it's the you know but then they have the grave crack anyway so it's like i don't know what they're going for they're, they're definitely this is definitely a case of them trying to have their cake and eat it yeah they're just trying to do some kind of like scary ending they're, tr- they're trying to do a scary ending and a happy ending and it's like what that's a really good point about the pregnancy i never thought of that because i was definitely going to ask like what was the whole point of that but when you just said it that's actually pretty perfect yeah so as you know, on this Reboot Review show, we are taking our three questions, we are modifying them a little bit, but they're overall leading to a question of worth bringing back. And the first question is going to be, does it work as a reboot? And some things to consider is, is it loyal to the source material? Does it add anything new or interesting? Or does it fit in its time? It doesn't have to actually adhere to those strict things, but those are some kind of little borders that we put up. So in regards to Carrie 2013, Drew, does it work as a reboot? I think it does, Matt. I like a lot of the new stuff it brings. I like the way it kind of plays with Carrie's uh, character. I like the way it bookends the movie with the babies, with Carrie's birth and then the uh, Sue's child. I do think that it is subpar compared to the original, but I'm a big fan of bookends. The first one didn't have bookends, this one does. And for what they were going for, it was effective. It wasn't like, you know, they didn't have an idea and then fail to execute it. They had an idea. It wasn't good, but they successfully executed it. So I can respect it for that. And as far as working in this time, I want to address this specifically because there was one thing that we were talking about during, I think, the original movie, which was how the teenagers were portrayed. And in comparison to that, and I remember my big note on the 2013 one was, well, at least the teenagers look like they're being played by 20 year olds instead of 30 year olds. But I, the, I don't know the one guy that plays the John Travolta character in the 2013 version. That guy looks like he's 35. He's got like really tattoos old. and a beard and a leather jacket. But he, <laughs> hey, I'll see you in chemistry class. He was probably like held back. He's probably 19. Um, but yeah, I really just didn't like the way the teenagers the teenagers were handled in the original. I, uh, Carrie was good. The the bullies specifically are what I'm talking about. And specifically when they were like tormenting her in the um in the first scene after she got her period. And I was just discussing with you and I was just like, it's it's impossible for me to take teenage bullies seriously if they don't have cell phones out and aren't recording like their harassment. And it, it sucks that that dates movies like this for me, but I really like there's just that level of disconnect where I'm not like shaking my head and judging it, but there is just that, okay, I can't believe these are teenage bullies if they don't have their cell phones out. And what? And lo and behold, in 2013, when they're doing that scene, they have their cell phones out. And it just, that was just kind of the epitome of how successful, how much more successful I think the teenage bullies were portrayed. I love the dad drama that the Chris character has, even though it's only like one or two scenes. It's, it's essentially a setup and a callback. There's a scene where it's set up and then there's a callback at the end. I love the momentum that's built up uh, between the video being taken in the original incident and then the video being released. And that kind of being the motivating factor for Judy Greer, the gym teacher character, to kind of lay the law down with the students. It used the times very smartly. It wasn't just showing the cell phone videos because this is what teenagers do nowadays. It was using it as a tool to get the plot to not necessarily progress, but for the conflict to build. And yeah, it's just those smart ways that the movie was handled that really makes me uh, confident 
supporting yes this is a this is a successful reboot i also agree i i do think it works as a reboot some stuff that i don't agree with though is uh the first thing of the kids tormenting carrie and not having cell phones i think it's obvious that life existed before cell phones and we have lots of representation of that during movies so for me it's more of the believability of how much they're tormenting her how like how they're ridiculing her and really i felt like they just kind of copy and pasted the only thing they added in 2013 was cell phones that's all you so for me, it, w- it was still believable, and I don't think you need the, the inability to to connect with characters just because they don't have Twitter. I don't think is a very. <laughs> it's not the characters; it's the bullying. I'm still. Like... It's, it's, it's it's not that these characters are stupid because they don't have cell phones. It's this bullying is not effective because they're not successfully. Using I think you can still have. Bullying. I think you can still have effective bullies without cell phones. And the second thing I, I kind of disagree with what you said is in regards to the book. Like I don't care about what was written in the book. When you're doing a movie, it's new rules. You can do whatever you want. I don't think you have any uh, loyalty to the book i think your only job is just to make whatever story was entertaining from the book and do your version of making it entertaining in the movie and as long as you make your movie entertaining like that's i just don't think it's fair to compare a book to a movie like when when the movie starts i pretend that the book doesn't even exist like this is a whole new completely new story um but outside of those two kind of things i i do work i do think it works as a reboot you know whatever things are lacking in the movie or just because of like you know modern i guess 2013 at the time (laughs) things like you know kind of eye-rolling effects and cgi and you know one thing that i don't really like is how much gore there is you know uh, julianne moore is like cutting into her leg while she's working at the laundry shop i I actually prefer the 1976 mother a little bit because she's she's just so into the words and like saying it and going to neighbors houses and trying to convince them she was much more to me like a west bureau baptist church woman that was realistic and scary whereas in 2013 she's so out of her mind that she's like cutting into her leg and it's like we get it you're crazy you know she's even talking spookier whereas in 1976 she's a little bit more theatrical so she's kind of more entertaining just on that front of being like hello i'm here to help you about they're all gonna laugh at you they're all gonna laugh at you (laughs) but outside of those kind of two minor things i I agree with you i think it gets a check it does work as a reboot uh so that's gonna be two checks right off the bat so the next question is going to be is it enjoyable slash entertaining in its genre so like we've been saying this is a halloween slash horror movie or at least it's in that kind of category uh, so is it enjoyable slash entertaining? Does it do all the things that we like our horror movies to do? I'm going to say yes. I like the gore and the violence, especially when it comes to the self-inflicting harm. Uh, I don't think that there's a lot of unnecessary gore violence. I do like one of my favorite kills of all time is when the guy gets squished by the bleachers in the climax. Um, the face through the windshield, the head, the face against the windshield, like all of that stuff is really good. And I think it uses violence more intelligently throughout the first two acts of the movie than the first one does. And then as far as just enjoyability in general, uh, when it comes to horror movies, it's gonna it's very interesting because I usually give a lot more favor to the villains. And I don't like who is the villain in Carrie? Is it Carrie or is she an anti-hero? I, I, I don't think that this is like a protat like a hero villain kind of thing. Like I said, I think these are like character studies. Okay. Well I guess we would just do like Julianne Moore and then the, the Chris character. Um I like Julianne like I think it's a matter of preference, which uh Mama White you prefer. I like the Julianne Moore one. I remember the first time I saw the 2013 one, I kind of rolled my eyes at uh Julianne Moore's performance. But seeing it compared to Piper Laurie and just kind of the character of who that is, even though you could argue Piper Laurie's is more probably accurate or more entertaining, I, there is something about Julianne Moore's that I like. I think it makes her more threatening. It, it it's it makes her maybe more inconsistent, but at the same time, it makes her more threatening, which I like, but I know it's just a taste thing. 
Yeah, so I just never felt like Julianne Moore really had power over Carrie in 2013, whereas in 1976, I felt more of that manipulation. I felt more of that kind of religious stronghold. And, you know, you never really expect Carrie to get, I guess, to use it against her mother in 1976. It's supposed to be more of that kind of final, like, reactionary thing that she feels so bad about and she immediately goes against, which she does, and then the whole house collapses on her. Whereas in 2013, you know, we're showing so much of Carrie's powers from the get-go that I feel, and, like, she's, like, lifting her mom in the air. She's, like, stopping her hand. So she's doing stuff to her earlier on in 2013, so therefore I never really felt like she, you know, Julianne Moore had the stronghold on her, you know? It's still, that's still well into like the second act though when she's doing that. Well, even when she's like slapping her face and stuff like that, right? That That's earlier on, but she's using it to prevent harm, not but to control still, her mom. But, but, but just showing that she can control her mom is the point I'm kind of talking about. Whereas in 1976, there are moments where, uh, you know, the mother is holding Carrie by the wrist and kind of shaking her and stuff like that. And, you know, Carrie's trying to hide her power more around her mother. Um, so I think both work, but, you know, just as a preference, uh, I like that 1976 version a little bit more. Yeah, I think it is a matter of preference because I, I do like the implications of... So basically, it's going to get a check for you, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I also give it a check. I do think it's enjoyable slash entertaining. There's really no jump scares in this movie, which I really actually liked about this a lot. Um, It was really more just about the kind of the spectacle of it. And for those reasons, I think it's a lot easier to kind of jump in and watch it. I I do like the 1976 version. However, I do understand a lot of the things that don't kind of uh, work nowadays. Uh, But really... Between the two, there I, I I don't feel that they made this one with like kind of bad intent. I think they really just tried wanted to try to do a new spin on Carrie and make it. They wanted to make it enjoyable and entertaining, and I think they succeeded that. So it's going to get another check for me as well. Yeah, so that's going to be two checks again. So let's move on to our final question: With does it stand on its own? So if you could pretend that the 1976 Carrie didn't exist, would this movie still work? Uh, is it too reliant on the original? Um, It's kind of a weird question for this one because they are exactly taking lines of dialogue uh, from the first one and reapplying it into this reboot. But we'll still pretend like, you know, like this is their original dialogue. So uh, does it stand on its own? And uh, I will say, yes, it does stand on its own. I don't really care about the lines of dialogue issue because you could probably, they could have taken that stuff from the book like you were talking about (laughs) and still applied it in this 2013 version. But it does stand on its own. It's directed well. It's got good performances in it. And uh, it's overall, you know, it's it's building up towards something that's a a somewhat entertaining kind of payoff with the whole grand finale and the whole Carrie flying and (laughs) murdering people uh, with stuff. So maybe it's because we watched The Grudge on the last episode, but uh, I really don't have anything to kind of dissect about this movie i think it's pretty like harmless so yeah that's going to be a check for me it does stand on its own this one's going to be weird for me and you're going to have to help me out if we're assuming that this is the only adaptation of the book and i know that we are not playing up the book at all but if this is like if we're imagining this is the only adaptation of the book then my answer has to be no it doesn't work because i think it takes too many liberties with how events play out, especially in regards to like, you know, the modernization of the teenage characters. But you're, ma- you're making a rule that any movie that's being adapted from a book has certain rules, right? And I do think that this is an interesting conversation, but keep in mind, like we are talking strictly about an original movie that comes out 
and then a reboot of that movie. I know, but are we holding it to the standards that we would an adaptation? Like, are we still seeing this as an adaptation? I do not have rules about book adaptations to movies. And frankly, I think that if you want to know like my personal preference, like aside from this, uh, I don't think that any movie has like, I think only a movie's job is to be enjoyable or entertaining or just to be good. I don't think it doesn't, it doesn't owe the, the book. Okay. anything the book is really just a launching off point or if anything the book is somebody saying a concept and characters like a really in-depth like story and then someone else saying i like that i'm going to do my version of that now okay so then this is going to get a check from me with an asterisk i think it takes which i think is the first time we've done that on this on this podcast <laughs> maybe that's like you know what it is maybe it, it's like just half a check no we do x's with asterisks so we'll do we'll do a check with an asterisk um uh, how about a faded check <laughs> whatever you want to do whatever effect you want to throw up there um I think it takes too many liberties from the source material with the modernization of the teenage characters and just modernization in general, doing the father subplot with Chris, all of these other little things that probably didn't need to be there or were just there to help flesh out and make this movie stand out from the original. But just as an enjoyable movie, it gets a check on that front. Yeah, but like if to anyone that's never read that book and they just like, the, let's say this movie's on Netflix and they just throw it on. Like if they don't know anything about that book, they, they're not going to hold that. Exactly. But but I feel like a part of it is like your loyalty to the source material. That is always like, it's an important factor. I would say it's, I would say that's important enough to find out if it works as a reboot, but I don't know if that's important enough to uh, stand on your own because standing on your own is literally standing on your own. So it's kind of taking whatever you want to take from the book and applying it to yourself. So in regards to to kind of putting a modern spin on Carrie in 2013 and <laughs> using your own argument against you, adding cell phones, mm-hmm. it does that. And then it stands on its own for that very reason, right? Yeah, that's why it's getting a check. But I still think I have to qualify it with an asterisk because it is, I, I, I think loyalty to the source material is important. It is still an adaptation and it's going to get a little, you know, that, just that little addition because of that. Well, I will, I will say it is interesting, but uh, if you're doing that math at home, that's going to be five check marks and one faded asterisk check mark. <laughs> but either way, it's going to get one giant check mark for worth bringing back. And yeah, you know, it's it's actually nice kind of watching this one after watching The Grudge because The Grudge wasn't offensive as it was just kind of boring and uh, by the books, by the books. Uh, whereas this one is still by the books, but there's a little bit more effort being put into it and thought kind of being put into it in regards to its characters and its plot and just its execution of like you know the carry murder so that's going to be a wrap on this episode of reboot review uh as always make sure you like subscribe that you comment below uh make sure you check out our other two episodes so far of reboot review halloween horror edition and make sure you check out season one of the back again podcast where we did disney animated sequels uh we have one more episode of our reboot review to do in this uh month of october and then we are going to be jumping forward into season two of the back again podcast so lots of reviews coming up and lots of bad or hopefully not bad movies for us to watch uh but outside of that uh, you got anything else to add drew all, gonna- all right everyone thanks for listening we'll see you next time